0: Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. Well,
1: welcome to Therapy Thursdays on The Juice and I welcome our resident psychotherapist, Tony Knight. Welcome to the show.
0: You, Louise. Great to be here. Loving the um, the intro to the segment. I noticed we were both dancing away to that.
1: We um, certainly will. It, it's a great way to start. Absolutely. For anyone who wants to know what that is, it's uh, Therapy by Mary J. Blige. And uh, what a bop that is. Um.
0: Oh. <laughs> it's, just, it's possibly too good for what I have to say.
1: <laughs> that is not true, my love. Not true at all. Okay, so today we're going to be delving into a subject that uh, – in, in a lot of circles is actually revered, but it comes with its challenges, and that is perfectionism. Uh, and that would be something that I would guess you would see a fair bit in your practice.
0: Correct. Yes, I do. And I think you're absolutely right, the reason what you were saying about it being revered, and that's potentially part of the problem. Uh, with treating perfectionism, but yeah, we'll get to that in a moment.
1: Yeah, sure. So, what actually is perfectionism? How do you, when you're when you're talking to somebody, how do you go? Oh, that's that's certainly something that that we need to cover. What are the the markers for perfectionism?
0: Well, when I when I talk about perfectionism, and I didn't look this up in a dictionary, I thought about my clients, and I thought what I see, what the problem is, is that it's like a rigid insistence on a a standard of absolute excellence. Um, And so, you know, excellence is one of those words that's bandied about a lot. As you said, it's really valued in society. But, you know, and I have to say that, you know, perfectionism in and of itself isn't always a problem. So what I mean by that is that, you know, I want my surgeon To be a perfectionist.
1: Mm hmm. Yep. Right. Definitely. There
0: are times when being a perfectionist is actually, you know, it's important, it's very useful. But turns out that in most of life, perfectionism actually holds us back. And this is when it becomes a problem. It's that rigidity, it's that pattern of it must be perfect all the time that really holds people back. Mm. And Why is that the case? Well, if you think about your three core resources, as I like to call them, which is energy, attention and time, right? Core resources. They're so valuable that I talk to people about them being like your gold. This is like your gold supply. And they're all finite. You've only got limited amounts of them and potentially an unlimited range of things that you can spend them on. And so what we do as humans consciously and unconsciously is that we ration out our gold to to various things. And I encourage people to become more conscious of that, you know, to really think about where do you invest your gold? As I said, where do you invest your uh, energy, attention and time? And perfectionism is a really good example of where it's probably not rationed out, in a way that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So so what I mean by that is that, you know, um, perfectionism, doing something to a standard that is perfect, requires a lot of those core resources. It does. A lot of energy, Mm. attention, and time. And arguably, for most human activities, um, it's just not required. Uh, And so what you get is, uh, first of all, an opportunity cost. So in other words, the um, gold, my personal gold that I'm invested in making something perfect, I could be using on a different activity that's going to net me more happiness, well-being and all the other things that, you know, that I value. Um, And so you end up over-investing in an activity to make it perfect. When I... Arguably, it just doesn't need to be. Yeah. You know, Um, and you can think about lots of examples of that. Like, you know, I guess at work, you know, producing, you know, whether it's, you know, reports or notes or, you know, projects and things. Um, It could be in, you know, producing something artistic. It could be in the state of your house. I had a client who had. Well, I can only imagine must be a massive house. It had five bedrooms and she came to me for anxiety and part of the profile was that she would clean that house top to bottom every day. Oh, my Lord. And, yeah, and when we looked at the amount of gold that she, her personal gold that she invests in keeping that house clean, you know, perfectly clean, you can imagine the cost and the other things that she could have been doing that would have been much more important and brought her more happiness. So it's a, it's a really big investment and arguably most of the time it's not needed. Um, the other thing, of course, about perfectionism is it's right there in the definition. It's really not achievable. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We come close. But, you know, perfect means that there is absolutely no mistake and there's very few uh, kind of, you know, fields in life where that is even achievable. And so what can happen is that when people chase an impossible ideal, it can bring a lot of frustration and unhappiness and exhaustion because, you know, trying to make the imperfect perfect is going to really deplete you. Uh, And so those are the kinds of people that I see. And you know, let's face it, it can also be quite damaging to relationships. If you're mm. over-investing in your work, for example, at the expense of other people, um, you know, that doesn't work very well for us either. And, and it, um, yeah, it can be very,
1: ang- like, anxiety-inducing. I mean, I know I'm thinking of a couple of examples where I've had uh, close friends or whatever who have got, if I'm coming over or we're making plans and their house isn't, perfect that there was a lot of anxiety around the fact that their house isn't perfect when in actual fact as you say that gold could be invested into just hanging out and you know if the dishes aren't done if the you know the toys are all over the floor if there's dust the important thing is the connection uh, not the fact that there's dust anywhere. So yeah, what you're that saying is. about you know um, being able to to ration that out is incredibly powerful. And we do invest in things that actually don't matter, and and wonder why we're so depleted and why our relationships are suffering because we're not connecting because we're too worried about what our house looks like.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely right. Yep, and and um, you know another problem. Uh, with perfectionism is that it turns malt hills into mountains. So it can make things like keeping a tidy house into a, a massive task. It can make producing a report, you know, into something that's really huge because in our mind it has to be perfect. And so, you know, not only does it create a lot of anxiety, but the enormity of having to do it means that we tend to put off starting it in the first place. Uh, and so we can end up not completing a lot of things because we feel that if it's not done perfectly, what's the point? You know, I I had another client who um, has dropped out of several university courses um, and perfectionism was definitely one of the main reasons, you know. Her reasoning was that, you know, if I'm not getting all high distinctions or close to perfect marks, then, you know, what's the point in doing it? And so she would set herself that goal And so approaching doing assessment tasks was just agonizing because of the pressure she placed herself under. And so we often don't start things and then we don't finish things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can completely see what you're saying there. Ah, We're back with Tony Knight, our resident psychotherapist here on Therapy Thursdays. And before the break, we were talking about perfectionism and how that can have a massive impact on our lives and quality of life. So Tony We've listened to you in the first part of this discussion, and we've recognised that there are some uh, things that we're resonating with. So, I'm interested to know what are the causes of perfectionism? How does it end up showing up uh, in in people?
0: Mm. Yeah, there are there are different reasons, and sometimes in one person, it can be a combination of things. I think that one of the most prevalent ones is what you mentioned right at the beginning um, of our talk. And that is that excellence is prized in our society, whether it's something that's been instilled by our parents that we, you know, we should do things to excellence. You know, most of our workplaces emphasize the importance of excellence in what we do. And let's face it, excellence is lauded in society generally. Um, And so it's one of those things that's highly prized. Uh, But, you know, once again, um, it's it, you know excellence comes at a cost, and we've got to ask ourselves: is the cost worth it? Especially if, for example, in workplaces, you know, and this is one of my um, one of my pet peeves, if you like, is that workplaces emphasise that they want their workers to do excellent work, to produce excellent results for the company, and it all sounds very very good, but don't necessarily provide them with the resources to do that. So whether that's the equipment, the time, the training, etc., and that can really put people in a bind that leads to burnout. Yes. Um, and so why do we, you know, completely take on this idea that excellence in every area of life is really important? I think it happens um, because we don't necessarily, we haven't necessarily identified and connected with our own values. And so we'll get to that when we talk about the answers, but the simple, Uh, I guess, idea here is that if we don't know what we truly value, we take on the values of other people because at the end of the day, something has to guide our decisions. If we don't know what's important to ourselves, then we just take on what other people tell us is important, you know, which is why we sort of, you know, knock ourselves out trying to produce excellence when it's not needed. Now, I want to be really clear here. You know, as I said with the surgeon example, It is great to make some things really excellent. It's worth the effort and it might be necessary. But what we're talking about here is this rigid idea that you have to be excellent in everything you do. Um, That creates a prison for ourselves and it's certainly not necessary, um, despite what society might say about that. Now, another reason that um, people become perfectionistic is to combat feelings of low self-worth. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, what we then tend to do is that we base our worth on what we produce on our outputs. Mm. And, you know, if we produce something that's of really high quality, obviously we feel good about it in ourselves. Nothing wrong with that. We get lots of praise and attention from other people. Nothing wrong with that either. All those things are great. I think it's when we depend upon those things for our self-worth that we can get trapped in a cycle of needing to, you know, to be perfectionistic, mm-hmm. um, and so the other reason um, for perfectionism is, um, for some people at least, it can be a symptom of obsessive compulsive disorder (OCD). Right. Uh, and so, what happens there is people get trapped in a cycle of, you know, feeling a high high degree of anxiety over something. Um, you know, it could, for example, be around cleanliness or tidiness, as an example, but there's, there's many other areas. Um, a person sort of cleans or tidies. And by doing that compulsive action, it reduces your anxiety. So it's very reinforcing. It reinforces that action. But, of course, that reduction in anxiety is only temporary. Yeah. The anxiety comes back again. And because we've learned that cleaning up, for example, reduces our anxiety, we'll do it again and again. And so we do get trapped in this cycle of trying to allay anxiety by performing certain compulsive behaviours, certain rituals. And so sometimes perfectionism can get caught up in those symptoms of of OCD.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: So they are are the main, I would say, the main causes of um, perfectionism.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, so what can
1: people do uh, to help themselves if they do find themselves? And obviously OCD is is sort of at, at one end of the spectrum and and obviously uh, does require uh, a fair bit of intervention to get on top of that. And uh, I do uh, know and am close to people who do have OCD and it is a prison for them. But mm. to a lesser extent, I think we're... We're all very guilty of falling into that perfectionism trap, putting something off because we're worried that it's not going to be absolutely perfect, that we turn down the opportunity for perfection because the house isn't right or there's a job that I need to do uh, to um, boost my self-worth. That, as you say, is temporary. What can we do about it?
0: Mm. And I think the answer is implied in exactly what you were saying there, Louise. It's recognising that some things are more important than others. Um, And as we said at the beginning, the big investment of, of time, energy and attention that we put into making something perfect probably could go into things that are going to give us a bigger payoff. And so with that example of you know, tidying up the house. Boy, I think we've all been there, haven't we? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's actually being able to weigh up um, our priorities and go, what is more important, that I have a perfect house or that I have my friends over? Okay. And so, again, this comes back to the importance of understanding your values and priorities because they're not going to be the same as your parents or your friends or society in general. And if you can connect clearly with those, those values and priorities, then quite often, more often than now, you realise that, you know what, actually I don't mind if my house is, is, is messy, my higher priority is to spend time with my friends. And closely related to that, Louise, is changing our thinking around those things because when we are trying to compulsively prioritise having a perfect house, what we're not doing is thinking through the consequences of having a messy house. You know, we kind of imagine because of that anxiety we feel, we kind of imagine that if our friends came over and saw a messy house, that some kind of disaster would result, yeah. you know, that would be judged negatively or I don't know that some other imaginary terrible thing would happen. Okay. And I'm kind of laughing here because it's a very, very common thing that I think most people can relate to
1: hundred percent. Yep.
0: <laughs> when we think it, through though when we do a proper risk assessment we realize that actually even if we had a messy house the people that love us are not going to think badly of us and you know what worst case scenario if they did look around and go wow tony standards have slipped who cares you know again if you're clear about your values then you're going to go yeah you know what I've got more important things to do than to have a pristine house. Yeah. Lucky me. Yeah, <laughs> Right. for sure. So it's, it's thinking it through. It's thinking it through. Now, I will say that when people start to realise that they want to break this cycle of perfectionism, they want to, you know, I'm not talking about having no standards at all. It's about being flexible in the standards. It's about recognising that different things at different times require different standards and that flexibility you know, is the key out of our prison cell, really. Yes. Um, And so it requires, it certainly requires a level of mindfulness, but it also means overcoming the discomfort. So, you know, we talked uh, last time, I think it was, about, you know, how to manage uncomfortable feelings. It is going to be uncomfortable at first to actually leave the house and go, you know what, I'm just going to leave it like that. It doesn't matter. Because your mind is going to come back to it again and again and go, oh, but what about the dust on the floor? What about those dishes on the sink? And so, you know, because this is change and change is always uncomfortable. Um, I guess what I would say there is that you can't wait. It's 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 a really important principle. The action needs to come before the feeling that you can't wait to feel comfortable about letting go of perfectionism before you do it. It yes. always works in reverse, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. What you do is you point. just have enough strategies to um to to kind of go, I'm going to do this. But it's also about accepting and managing a high degree of discomfort.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite sayings in the world is growth never sits in comfort.
0: <laughs> Yes, that's exactly, and, and it's, it's very, very true. And yep. so we don't wait to feel comfortable first because, you know, that day is never going to happen because the actions need to happen first in order to feel the comfort, quite true, quite true.
1: Oh, that's um uh, And
0: so, look, in, in rare cases um, people are going to need um, a professional to help them, particularly if this is part of a profile of OCD. Um, And, you know, in rare cases where there's, you know, very high levels of anxiety and depression, possibly medication as well. um, I help people using hypnosis. Hypnosis works beautifully with something like that because there's usually so much anxiety uh, involved. Um, But, um, yeah, and I will say also, by the way, if any of this causes discomfort for people or distress, um, don't forget Lifeline's number. Yes. Which is 131114 and... you know, life line can start to point people in the right direction if they're feeling very distressed about this stuff. Um, but I guess I want to reassure people ultimately that perfectionism is a symptom and a strategy. And the good news is that because they're mostly tied up with anxiety, they're very, very treatable. Uh, You can expect to make great improvements if you're willing to step out and take those first small steps. So it's not about completely abandoning your standards at this stage. Uh, Certainly just gradual step-by-step progress so that you can gradually adjust uh, to the changes probably is going to work quite well. You can tolerate it and you can expect great results if you're willing to to take those steps. Amazing.
1: Amazing. Tony, this has been fascinating. Uh, I've got so much, for want of a better word, gold out of uh, what you've been uh, talking about today. And uh, yeah, look, I encourage you, if you are recognising this in yourself, to try those things. Get out of your comfort zone. The action does need to happen before the emotion around it subsides. So take that step today and invite your bestie over for a cup of coffee with shock horror dirty dishes in the sink. Nobody, the the sky will still be above your head, chicken little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of putting it. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Tony Knight, our resident psychotherapist here on The Juice. Thank you once again for joining us for Therapy Thursdays.
0: Absolute pleasure, Louise.